heights, followed by a decline nearly as precipitous. It is a pattern that will recur throughout this book, and it is one that even the casual consumer of mass media will surely recognize. To keep up with current affairs today is to suffer under a terrible bombardment of Blair Hornsteins, these media pylons that surge and die off within a matter of months, days, even hours. Consider just one of the weeks, May 25th through June 1st, that Blair Hornstein was being dragged through the streets behind the media jeep. Tied up beside her were a host of other persons or products or things in various states of uptake or cast-off. In the realm of politics, Private Jessica Lynch, on her way down as her rescue tale was found to have been exaggerated, and Howard Dean, on his way up in the race for president, having excited the internet. In fashion, the trucker hat, on its way down, and Friendster.com, on its way up. In music, an indie rock band called the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, down, and a new subgenre of emo called Screamo, up. All these and more were experiencing their intense but ephemeral media moments during one week in the early summer of 2003. We do not have an easy word to describe these transient bursts of attention, in part because we often categorize them differently based on their object. When this sort of fleeting attention attaches to things, we tend to call them fads. But this term, I think, conjures up too much the media-unsavvy consumer of an earlier era, while underestimating the extent to which our enthusiasms today are entirely knowing, post-ironic, aware. If there is one attribute of today's consumers, whether of products or of media, that differentiates them from their forebears of even 20 years ago, it is this. They are so acutely aware of how media narratives themselves operate, and of how their own behavior fits into these narratives, that their awareness feeds back almost immediately into their consumption itself. Likewise, when this sort of transient attention falls on people, we tend to describe it as someone's 15 minutes of fame. But is celebrity really what is at work here? The majority of the tens of millions of people who pondered the story of Blair Hornstein never knew what she looked like or cared. What they knew instead was how she fit handily into one or more of the various meanings imposed on her. The ambition adult generation, the lawsuit drunk society. Most people who remember Blair Hornstein today will recall her not by name or face, but simply by role, as that girl, perhaps, who sued to become valedictorian. No name even be invoked for her to do her conversational work. In keeping with the entrepreneurial wordsmithery of the times, I would like to propose a new term to encompass all these miniature spikes, these vertiginous rises and falls. The nano-story. We allow ourselves to believe that a narrative is larger than itself, that it holds some portent for the long-term future. But soon enough we come to our senses, and the story, which cannot bear the weight of what we have heaped upon it, dies almost as suddenly as it was born. The gift we so graciously gave Blair Hornstein in 2003 was her 15 minutes not of fame, but of meaning. Viral Culture On May 27, 2003, during the same fitful weeks, I made up my mind to create a nanostory of my own. To 63 friends and acquaintances, I sent an email that began as follows. You are invited to take part in Mob, the project that creates an inexplicable mob of people in New York City for 10 minutes or less. Please forward this to other people you know who might like to join. More precisely, I forwarded them this message, which, in order to conceal my identity as its original author, I had sent myself earlier that day from an anonymous webmail account. As further explanation, the email offered a frequently asked questions section, 
which consisted of only one question. Q. Why would I want to join an inexplicable mob? A. Tons of other people are doing it. Watches were to be synchronized against the U.S. government's atomic clocks, and the email gave instructions for doing so. In order that the mob not form until the appointed time, participants were asked to approach the site from all four cardinal directions, based on birth month, January or July, up Broadway from the south, February or August, down Broadway from the north, etc. At 7.24 p.m. the following Tuesday, June 3rd, the mob was to converge upon Claire's Accessories, a small chain store near Astor Place that sold barrettes, scrunchies, and such. The gathering was to last for precisely seven minutes until 7.31, at which time all would disperse. No one, the email cautioned, should remain at the site after 7.33. My reason for sending this email was simple.